Hello everyone and thank you so much for joining me today for this conversation. I want to just pause and thank all of you who are listening to the podcast produced by ODC Ministries. We really appreciate you taking a moment out of your day to give a listening, attentive ear to what we are offering. And we pray that it is encouraging you and edifying you in your walk with the Lord. Today I am so thrilled to have with me a dear friend and brother, uh, Pastor Brandon Love. Pastor Love is the senior pastor of the Mount Gilead Baptist Church in Purdue Hill, Alabama, Morningstar Baptist Church in Uriah, Alabama, and the Greater Love Fellowship. Not necessarily church uh, by name, it's just Greater Love Fellowship. He is the pastor and senior servant of that body and community of faith as well. And um, Pastor Love, thank you so much for joining me today and for taking a moment out of your time um, to share with us in conversation. Um, If you would, just tell us about your faith journey and about when you accepted the call to preach the gospel. Absolutely. So first of all, I want to thank you for the opportunity to to be here, be on your podcast and uh, don't take it lightly to be in uh, your presence, and, uh, someone who I admire and honor. Uh, but uh, to talk a little bit about where you know my faith journey. So um, I'm active duty military. Um, I came in around 2002, mm-hmm. uh, and my first duty station was overseas. And when I got to England, uh, I got connected to a pastor and a a church, a Bible-believing church, and I thought I knew Christ. I thought I was in, you know, I was in the church, but the church wasn't in me. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in the church, mm-hmm. and uh, we got my first Bible study. I realized we, they were talking about salvation, and I realized I didn't know anything about it. Wow. You know, I was around it, but you know, I heard it, you know how to get saved, but I wasn't saved. You know, mm-hmm. and I and, and so from there, um, the Lord changed my life. You know, mm-hmm. I started, you know get in the word, start reading the word for myself, not just listening to what the preacher said or what grandma and them said. I started getting the word for myself. Yeah. And uh, within six months, I was deep in love. <laughs> and then probably six months later, I, I felt the call of my life. Uh, every time a preacher would get up and preach, there was a burning desire in me to do that. Wow. I wanted to preach. I, you know, hold up. I, I won't say I wanted to preach, mm-hmm. but I admired that I there was a desire for me to preach. Yeah. But I was afraid. And I was scared. You know, I'm a little I'm introvert by nature, a little country boy, shy. You know, I couldn't imagine myself standing before the people and, and teaching or preaching. Right. And I never forget, uh, probably a year in, you know, it was just it was burning me up. And the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night. And I just opened up my Bible. He just told me, open the Bible. I opened up my Bible. And uh, he asked Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And he said, do you love me, Peter? And he said, yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, do you really love me? And you know Peter, yes, Lord, I love you. Yeah. He said, feed my sheep. Mm-hmm. And it was as, as if he was talking to me. Um, that morning, I called my pastor and I said, uh, I said, I'm ready. He said, I've been waiting on you. I, I wasn't going to tell you. I was waiting on for you, waiting on you to come to me. And uh, so that's how I got started. And from there, you know, got into training, you know, uh, you know, did some seminary and 
and I left there and went from, I left England and went to Korea. I got to Korea, Korea was a blessing for me because on base, you know, you just can't have Baptists and, you know, Methodists, everybody's welcome. Yeah, no doubt. So in one church, I was around Kojic, Pentecostal, Methodist, Baptist, non-denominational, all these preachers there. And yeah. I had an opportunity, I had never been around that, you know, in that, that type of environment. Mm -hmm. And I had an opportunity to learn from all the different preachers and denominations, what they believed in, you know, strengthening, you know, uh, apologetics, all that kind of stuff, yeah. just talking to them. Um, but what, I, what, what came out of Korea was uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Uh, where I understood, you know, that we can't do anything without the Holy Spirit, you know. Yeah. If we allow Him to rule and reign in our lives, like the anointing, um, you know, there was a difference. I, like I said, I knew Christ, but I didn't understand the power of Him. Yeah. And that's what Korea did for me. And it really took my preaching, it took my ministry to another level. And when I left there, I went to... Um, Georgia, I became the assistant pastor of a church, and um, the Lord just—he just really blessed everything. I—I I, I didn't know it at the time, but He was sending me to all these different locations. Uh, I did something different every location. Wow! When I got to Louisiana, I was the youth pastor. I'd never been a youth pastor, and the Lord planted me there. And we took a a minute, a, a small youth group, mm -hmm. and it blew up. Wow! You know we were. On Wednesday night, we were bringing in a hundred plus kids, and the parents were coming in like our kids are so excited to come. We had to come and check it out. But he was preparing me for pastoring, yes. and I got to Alabama and um, just to tell that story if I can tell it uh, very quickly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, two. Uh, we came home for uh, Easter, and we were sitting in the. I was sitting in the pulpit. And the Lord told me, you're going to pastor this church. And uh, I said, I'm in the military. There's no way I'm coming back here. I didn't even want to come back to Alabama. <laughs> I mean, you had been to England yeah. and Korea. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah so to I, come back to where it all started. Right. Wow. Yeah. And I was in Louisiana at the time. And I mean, I was enjoying life on the bayou, Cajun food. Yeah. You know, just the atmosphere. <laughs> the people loved me there. And, you know, I was going to retire there. But the Lord said, you're going to pass this church. And so I dismissed it and said, maybe when I retire, mm. I get back to Louisiana from our vacation from being here in Alabama. And two weeks later, I have orders to come to Montgomery, Alabama. So we get to Montgomery, Alabama, and the Lord reaffirmed it. He said, you're going to pastor the church. Now, we're looking for church homes in Montgomery because mm. Frisco City is two hours away. And we couldn't find anything in Montgomery because the Lord said, no, you're going to Frisco City. Wow. So we start commuting on Sundays to the church in Frisco City. And he kept telling me, you're going to pastor. And I said, how am I going to pastor here? They already have a pastor. Being there two months, the pastor stood up and said, effective immediately, I'm retiring. And I immediately became the interim pastor. So from there, uh, me becoming the interim pastor, I became pastor. A year later, the Lord said to me, he said, you're going to pastor Morningstar. I said, they already got a pastor. <laughs> you know, and this is, the, you know, and, I, and I, I'm very careful when I say the Lord, you know, yeah, when, when I say the Lord, you know, the, the spirit of God, you know, yes. 
you know, I'm the same one speaks. You, you don't you don't you yeah. don't want to mislead right. people for yeah. this audible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, he's you know, and I whenever he he speaks to me like this, I always tell certain people, you know, to let them know when I say that when you hear this when it when it come to pass, past love I already told me this. Mm. But he told me he said, You're gonna pass the morning star. Not even six months later, they're pastor love. I became the pastor. Six months later, he told me I was gonna pastor Mount Gilead. And now I'm like, I didn't want to pastor two churches. How am I going to pastor three churches? Mm. Their pastor stepped down, and I was refusing like to become pastor three churches. They kept calling me over to preach special occasions, um, you know, because you know the traditional churches first and third. I had a church on first and third, and mm-hmm. second and fourth, but they had early morning service at nine o'clock. So they were calling me over to to preach, and um, they just. You're our pastor. You're our pastor. And the Lord kept telling me, you're going to pass, you're, going, you're supposed to be passing this church. So I eventually, I accepted that call. So I had three churches. Wow. Three churches. And and uh, people ask me all the time, how how do you do that? Uh, the Lord gives us grace. You no know, doubt. If he calls you to it, he's going to give you what you need and equip you to do those things. Um, but uh, after pastoring all three of those churches for a year, um, you know, the Lord, you know, he began to talk to me again. Now he said, hey, it's time to, it's time to merge. And uh, from there is uh, where things start to, you know, we get into the greater love. Um, he, had, when the vision was, you know, he gave me, he laid it out to me, the name of the church that we were mm-hmm. supposed to merge to and everything. And, and I tell people all the time, you know, uh, when God gives you vision, uh, not everybody's gonna accept it. And that's okay, that's okay. Uh, but it shouldn't stop you from moving forward with the vision. Yeah. Um, uh, last year, this time, um, the Lord began to lay on my heart to, you know, get into the community, do some outreach, and He had already laid out the plan for me, and I was terrified because nobody had ever done what I was about to do in our area. Mm-hmm. And um, I tell people sometimes you got to walk scared. Wow. You have the wall scared, and we've had this conversation where you know we try to appease people and disobey God. And yes. the Lord told me, He said, "When you step, I'll step. When you move, I'll move." Mm. And I did one thing. I put a post on Facebook, and I said, "I'm starting a ministry, an outreach ministry, and uh, we're going to start at the beginning of the year." And I put it out there, and I was terrified because <laughs> now I have to commit to it. Yeah. But when I did that, the Lord just started opening all kind of doors. Wow. You know, someone came to me and said, hey, the Lord told me that you're going to be using this building for your ministry. I didn't go to them. You know, wow. uh, people start coming to me saying, hey, what can I do? You know, the Lord's telling me that I need to be connected to you. Mm. Uh, and, and I tell everybody, you know, I, I, it took me a while to learn this. But when you hear the voice, move. Now, you go back to the Bible, you look at Jacob, you know, yeah. when Jacob, when God gave Jacob a promise, uh, told me he'd be the father, you know, uh, uh, talked about him through his seed, you know, yeah. all nations will be blessed. At the time, Jacob didn't have a wife. He didn't have any kids. Mm-hmm. But the Bible says after he heard the vision, he got up from Bathsheba and went to Haran. Mm-hmm. And when he got there, that's when he met Rachel. Mm-hmm. If he had stayed there where he was at Bethel, 
Uh, he loved receiving with the belt, though. When he got the belt, if he had just stayed there, oh, that was a great vision, Lord. You know, I yeah. saw the ladder descending, ascending, the yeah. angels descending. He could have just stayed there and said, this is amazing. But he got up to go after the vision. And when he started moving, he met his Rachel. And, of course, he had Leah, too. <laughs> and he was able to have kids to, yeah. to fulfill the promise. So when God is telling us to do something, you know, we want to see the whole piece of the puzzle when he only gives us pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. He see the whole thing. He just needs us to move. Once you start moving, he starts giving us pieces of the puzzle and it makes the vision clear. Yeah. A lot of things are foggy for us. You know, you look at fog. Fog is basically uh, the difference of two temperatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of us have fog in our life because God is telling us to do one thing and we're trying to do another thing. And that's it makes good. things foggy. That's good. That's good. The fog goes away when the temperature becomes the same. Mama. When we start, when we get do things the way God wants us to do, he clears things up and we can see the vision. Wow. Uh, I'm writing, I have two books right now that I'm, I'm uh, about to come out before the end of the year. Both of them will be published. Wow. And uh, one of the books is called uh, Tunnel Vision. Because uh, that's this year, you know, this year basically wrote the book for me. All the things I went through with Tunnel Vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't pay t- pay attention to outside noise. You can't pay attention to the, the people. You can't listen to what the people are saying. You have to listen to what God is saying. You know, you see yeah. a horse, they put the blinders on the horse because the horse will get distracted. Yeah. You know, they want him to have tunnel or her to have tunnel vision. Only focus on what's ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so important for us. You know, stay on the wall. No doubt. You know, you're no gonna doubt. have the noise. You're gonna have the distractors, the distractions. But uh, don't let that get to you. Obey God and, you know, he'll do the rest. Yeah. So let me just, what an amazing journey that you've been on. I mean, literally, to go from the place of your birth on a military journey that became a spiritual journey uh, where you recognize a greater purpose and call on your life. You know, there's so much that you shared about how the Lord began to deal with you in the Word, and you developed this love for the Word, and then He transitions you to this place where this is incremental environment, and you're learning and from all of these different faith communities, and learning to appreciate the diversity that we have in our faith, and also the sense of power of the Holy Spirit and the necessity of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our ministries in order to be effective. Mm-hmm. Because so many times people are in church all their lives and never really develop a good understanding of the Bible. They can be in church but not learning the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, having church and praising the God of the Bible without that Bible. Right. And you know, it's kind of crazy because we're supposed to worship in spirit and in truth. So if we don't have the Bible, it's our worship is right. not even genuine. Right. It's not what God desires from us. And the Holy Spirit is like some people have even shunned it and almost been afraid of it. You right. know, um, you know the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and so it's like to see the power of the Spirit at work. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's something that I even was able to witness in other areas when I began to move out beyond where I was familiar and see God's power and his spirit at work within communities of faith and within uh, people of faith and how it just really changed your whole 
outlook of understanding who God is and what God can do mm-hmm. in you, through you, and in a community of people who put their trust in him. And so you finally get back to this and you're in Alabama. I mean, you've gone literally, brother, from England and Korea, Georgia, Alexandria, Louisiana, mm-hmm. and now you're in Frisco City, Alabama. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to hear this story because the Lord has took you all the way shaping you and developing you for such a time as this. And I have been, I remember when you put the post out about Greater Love Fellowship. I remember that. And I began to watch from a distance and seeing what God was doing. And you talk about walking scared. Talk to people who are listening to this. Talk about how important it is for us to really heed the voice of God and that God does not give us all of the the full picture. He gives us pieces of it. But talk about what that journey has been like because I believe so many people have felt that urge, have felt that to leave comfortability, to leave that place of convenience, but they're so afraid to walk scared, um, you know, to walk in an unfamiliar place and trusting God. Because like you said, when you posted the post, it was like, you're all in now. You have to commit. You have to commit to it. So what has it been like walking through that and seeing God really bless your obedience and brother i want to tell you man your obedience is blessing so many other people uh one thing that the live feed has been able to allow in this COVID pandemic is been able to kind of eavesdrop in on other worship services and kind of see what other people are doing in the body of christ and you're one of those um pages that i would frequently go and kind of like see what's going on um, and to see what the Lord is doing. I want you to talk about what has that experience been like and rewarding seeing God work um, in a way that I'm pretty sure has been exceeding the button above all you could ask to think at least up to this point. So what'd you say about that? So it's one thing to do something where there's a foundation already been laid, mm-hmm. you know, where you come in and pastor a church where, you know, you have something to work with. Yeah. But when God gives you a vision to do something new and there's no blueprint, there's no uh, really any examples to follow in your area because every area is different. You know, mm-hmm. what they do in this city may not work in that city. Because yeah, church plants is not necessarily. Right. And trust me, I did a lot of research, you yeah. know, about church plants. And I'm like, this is Frisco City. You know, Frisco City, population 1,500. You know, yeah. you got other little small towns around. That ain't going to work here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I found out is when you, my other book is called Mountain Movers. Mm-hmm. God is the same God, whether you're in Frisco City, Montgomery, Selma, yeah. Atlanta, Georgia, Dallas, Texas. He's the same God. And if he speak a word, you take heed to that word, he's going to take care of you. So for me, 
He said, if I have faith the size of a mustard seed, that I can tell that mulberry tree, and people don't realize a mulberry tree, the root systems are strong. They mm -hmm. connect underground, connect other things. So when you say, well, you can pluck up a mulberry tree, you got some strong faith in, 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 the, in the natural. Mm -hmm. He said, if you, you can speak to that mulberry tree and tell it to be thrown into the sea and it will obey you. All I need is just a little faith. And say, Lord, you told me to do this. Yeah. I'm moving. I'm holding you to your promise that you're going to be there with me. You're going to take care of me. It's not easy when you got a staff and, you know, you got you got rent to pay. Yeah. And you starting out and, you know, uh, the, the money may not be coming in. The funds may not be coming in like you, you, you thought it in the beginning, especially in the beginning stages. Mm -hmm. And right when things are due. The Lord said, I got you. And somebody come along and sow a seed to pay all, you know. Wow. The Lord, the way he operates is if if he tell you to do something, he's going to provide. And I said, it's not easy. You know, you know, you got to deal with the naysayers. No doubt. You got to deal. You have to deal with uh, uh, those that are trying to discredit you. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, you talk about Nehemiah on the wall. You know, he's, he's doing a great work, but you got the, the people just going to discredit your work. Yeah. Uh, but you have to keep pressing. You have to keep moving uh, because, you know, he's going to keep his promises to mm -hmm. you, uh, no matter how hard it gets. And I can tell you, it's been very rewarding for me. I, I, I wish, you know, not everybody can say that things have turned out the way things have turned out for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Lord has blessed. I can't tell you every every single week. Uh, you know, I feel like, you know, we talk about miracles happening in the, in the Bible days. They're still happening today, yeah. you know. People, we just started the Dream Center, and uh, the Dream Center is basically uh, a place where we can uh, for is basically for the youth. You know, uh, we have a conference hall. We have uh, where they can come in there and, and outdoor recreation area. And I just threw the I, the Lord gave me the vision, and I just got off the pulpit and said, "Hey, the Lord told me we're going to build a Dream Center." And before I walked out of there, and we had all kind of commitments, you know, because wow. I told me we, we need laptops. Hey. I buy a laptop. I buy, I buy a TV. The church didn't pay for anything. Not wow. one penny. Wow. We didn't pay for the furniture. We didn't pay for any of the... When we got a lot of electronic iPads. We got all kind of stuff in the Dream Center. The church didn't pay for anything. The people wow. caught hold to the vision. I spoke it. Because God told, gave me the vision. I spoke it. They caught hold to it. And they did it. Wow. And when you find... Everybody needs runners. Mm -hmm. you know, we can all, you know, when God gives us a vision, you know, we can't do it by ourselves. Yes. You know, we think we can, but we can't do it by ourselves. We can do, and I, there's an old uh, saying that say you can go faster by yourself, but you can go farther mm -hmm. with a group of people. Mm -hmm. When you get some people along with you, you can go a lot, uh, a lot farther um, in, in your vision, but uh, you need runners, somebody who take your vision and run with it. And yeah. once you get done with that, you move to the next thing. And that's what we've been doing. You know, once wow. we complete something. You know, you know, we do everything in the spirit of excellence. One of my uh, my life model, I came up with it a long time ago. You know, if excellence is a standard, good is not enough. We don't do anything good. Yeah. You know, and I added on to it. Yeah. You know, you know, we 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 strive for perfection, but we only settle for excellence. So, <laughs> you know, if it ain't excellent, we ain't doing it good enough. You know. Yeah. Uh, so, it, it's it's been a faith journey, a faith walk. Uh, you know, because for every level. That God takes you, it requires a, a greater level of faith. Yeah. You know, 
I look back on starting Great Love. Now I look like I look at it like man, that was easy compared to what I'm dealing with right now. Because mm. he's calling me to do greater things. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, people say you know all the time. You know, uh, uh, T. D. Jakes. Oh, he man, he got it made. He got millions of dollars coming in. But you don't realize he has to build a sixty million dollar facility to mm-hmm. house all the people. You need great faith to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, so every and, it, it, and, it, and if it doesn't require faith, it's not God. Right. Yeah. It's not God. If you can see how you can do it, then your vision is not big enough. Right. Yeah. yeah. So man, I I one thing that I've seen and noticed is greater love is attracting young people. But it's not just attracting them. They are actually at work mm-hmm. in ministry. And this has been a common uh, issue for a lot of churches, established churches. Um, I've talked to a lot of pastors who have talked about how difficult it is to get young adults, young families involved in ministry. You know, you just try to get them to show up consistently. <laughs> you know, they, if you just come consistently, that is good. But then to have them go to that next level of we're not just coming and showing up, but we are willing to contribute with our talent, our gifts, as well as our tithe, our offering, that I'm fully engaged in this ministry. And as you said about runners, you have so many people who are our age, younger maybe a little slightly older than we are, but that young adult demographic is at work at greater love in a very meaningful and impactful way. What would you say to someone who's listening that is trying to figure out how do I insert a young adult presence and not just to be present in the pew, but have their presence felt in the ministry through participation. Mm-hmm. How do you? What do you say about uh, what you need to do to make that happen? Yeah. And that's a good question. Uh, for what has worked for us is, and this has always been when I was over at the youth pastor. Um, the Lord gave me this, uh, where the youth have to be involved in the service, mm-hmm. uh, and I've. You've heard me say this, that what you see on the stage is a reflection of what's going to be in the pews. Yeah. You know, if you see a lot of younger people on the stage, you're going to see a lot of younger people in the pews. Mm-hmm. We have to empower um, the younger generation, whatever, you know, gener- wherever they at, millennials, Gen Z's, mm-hmm. wherever they are. You have to empower them. And far too long, our the churches, especially the churches in our area, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we want to wait till they're 50 and 60 years old to start using them. Uh, yeah. you, know, you ain't been around the church. One of the craziest things I heard was somebody, you know, came to church and they wanted to serve. And the, the, one, the leaders told them they had to be at the church a year before they could they serve. They ain't been here long enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you hadn't been here long enough. And, I'm, and, it just, and I was baffled. I'm like, this person is on fire for the Lord. And you're going to tell them they got to wait a year before they can serve in the church? Mm. Uh, a church that we didn't die for a church that don't belong to us and a church that's been praying for somebody right been praying for growth yes. been praying for the lord yeah, to absolutely. send people yeah. and then the lord sends people you want them to sit right 
in the pew yeah. and wait your turn. And those people get discouraged. And guess what they're going to do? I'm going to go somewhere where I can be, I can utilize my gift. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go somewhere where I'm welcome. I'm going to go somewhere where, you, where they're not going to tell me uh, or try to mold and shape me to be them. Yeah. I can be myself. Yeah. I can be authentic. Yeah. And uh, that is what Greater Love has done well with allowing people to come. Uh, if you want to look, and I know that it goes against all rules and, you know, the church, the way we do business. But if you if you, you come to the church and say, I'm, you know, I'm saved, you know, I know the Lord day one. Mm hmm. We'll put you to work. Yeah. We'll let you serve the Lord. Use mm-hmm. your gifts. And uh, seeing yourself on the stage, everybody want to see themselves on the stage. Yeah. You know, uh, whether it's, and we, we're trying to do a better job with, you know, making sure that we reach all generations. You know, mm-hmm. all, you know we want to have the older, we want to have the young, we want to have all, everybody representing the church. Um, but the, the key is empowering your people. Yeah. A leader that feels like he has to has his, have, have to have his hands in everything, and that you know he has to have all the power is a leader that's going to fail his church. Oh, wow. uh, empower your people. You know, give them opportunity to fail. Mm. I used to be because you know I talked about my my standard. You know, yeah. if excellence is standard, good is not enough. So I always wanted to have my hands in everything to make sure it was meeting that standard. Until I realize I'm wearing myself out. Yeah. I'm tired. I can't, you know, everybody coming to me for everything. Like, mm-hmm. okay, now you make that decision. You have an opportunity to fail. Yeah. And there's no repercussion. There's no judgment. We learn from. We keep moving. And people appreciate that. Nobody like micromanagers. Exactly. Give me an opportunity to, to, to do this the way God is telling me to do it. A court letting it fall on the vision of the pastor, exactly. the leader. Uh, but that, that has worked well for us. And we have people, our volunteers, I'm having a hard time finding stuff for them to do because they're coming to me, hey, I want to volunteer. And I'm thinking, like, okay, where? Like, where can I put you? You know, Because uh, everybody's just coming. They want to serve. They want to work. They want to do the Lord's work. So, What a blessing. Yeah. I mean, what, what a blessing to be able to say everyone wants to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it reminds me of Nehemiah. The people had a mind to work. Mm-hmm. And that is, and I think, as you said, it's about giving me the permission, empowering mm-hmm. me to bring my ideas and, and, and not shutting them down because they're not reflective of what you always have seen. But giving me permission to fail and know that I'm not going to be judged and I'm not going to be ostracized because... Well, this didn't pay it out the way I thought it would. Um, yeah. You, you yeah. said something. Uh, I, you know, being 36, I thought I was young. Mm-hmm. But I realized I'm not young in comparison to, you know, an 18-year-old. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was giving the, these guys, empowering these guys to do something. You know, mm-hmm. we had an event coming up. So they brought all these ideas back to me. And I'm thinking, like, they're just, they're crazy. Like, these ideas are crazy, like. I would no, and I'm, in my mind I'm like, no, we're not doing that. So, but I didn't do that. What I did was I said, okay, let's come to the round table, and I want people your age to come to this table and talk to me. Mm-hmm. So we brought in this think tank group, and all these young people come in, and they're like, man, those ideas are dope that they have. Like, yeah, we want to be a part of that. <laughs> so I'm like, 
hold up. Okay, so I had to take a step back and say, I can't shut their shut them down because they know their generation. Mm. It doesn't make any sense to me, but it and, and it, it goes up. Somebody who's fifty is not going to understand a thirty-six year old. Yeah, you know. But we have to be open to receive them. So guess what I did? Let's do it. Let's see what happens. I gave them an opportunity, yeah. and guess what? Yeah, it went off. It, it you know when we're gonna do the next one? Wow. You know. So we have to let the people, um, you know, be free. Yeah. Yeah. And and and, and you know, as long as it's you know, we're not going against you know the Lord's will or anything. We're not sinning. You know, we let them go. And, and it's falling in line with the vision of right. the house and. I think that what you just really said is we can get our young people to work if we can begin to understand that each generation has something to offer right. and it looks different from the previous generation right. and they need to be able to be themselves and not be forced to conform to a certain style or to a certain expectation, right. but to be able to bring their ideas in because they are given ideas that their peers will be open to. And right. so many of our churches, when we look around, we see that certain demographics are missing. And then we mm -hmm. go to our leadership tables and we recognize that those voices are not at the table. And we wonder why they're not in our churches. Mm -hmm. It's because you have no idea what this group, what this demographic, what this age group is looking for. They want to have a relationship with God. Um, they want to know God, but they also want to be able to know God in a very personal way. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, as long as it's glorifying God, it's not heretical, then the church should be open to it because ultimately what you have just described to me is Ephesians 4 ministry, that he's given us pastors and mm -hmm. teachers and preachers for the equipping of the saints so that they can do the work of ministry. Right. And if we would just learn how to move out the way so that the we move over so that the laity of the church can step up right. and the spirit can move in, right. then, you know, things could probably work a little bit better. And that's not just for pastors to know when to move over and let laity step up, but that speaks to even people within our church that have ideas that reflect their own generation and their own style of worship. Maybe move over, let that generation step up and let the spirit move in. And I think that it's also important that me moving over and allowing others to step up is not taken away from... That's it what I bring to the table. Right. You're not any less pastor love mm -hmm. when you allow these people to be in power. Right. And I think sometimes our people are kind of like, uh, nah, they try to take our place and they try to take over. And I'm like, move over. Let them move up mm -hmm. and let the spirit move in. And I, 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 I've just been baffled by what I've been seeing at Greater Love Fellowship. Um, I think it's so much that we can learn from church plants. Mm -hmm especially for established churches, such as the one that I pastor. We've been here for 135 years, well, we're 136 now. Um, and God's done great things here. But I think that we, like you said, God is not limited to a geographical location. And God is not limited to 
a particular time period, right. and he's not limited to a particular style either. Right. And we have to just learn how to embrace what God is doing mm -hmm. in other people. You know, I think about what you just said. It, it kind of reminds me of when Kirk Franklin first hit the scene. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and it was like, established church was like, he tell that young guy to sit down somewhere. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he need to just sit down. Like, he, he, he just being too worldly, too mm -hmm. secular. And even now, 20 years later, music that he produced 20 years ago right. that many people in the church was kind of shining is still blessing us and encouraging us today. It's you know, relevant. It's still relevant because it's, it was definitely written and penned, those lyrics was written and penned by the Holy Spirit, right? And they are speaking to several generations, but think about how many churches missed out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important for our people to learn, to understand and appreciate the diversity of the body of Christ mm -hmm. and allowing young people. Man, I get so much joy looking at those young people being on fire, being present, but making their presence felt yes. in ministry. And I just want to say, man, thank you for being obedient to the vision God gave you. Thank you for being open to the Lord, shaping you over the course of this journey that you've been on. And, um, and thank you for what you're doing in our home um, town area, man, because it's definitely been a blessing to Monroe County and beyond um, what the Lord is doing in and through you. Last thing I'll just say before um, we end our conversation, it is Clergy Appreciation Month. And so as we get to the end of this, all of us have some particular men or women of God that have shaped us and have poured into us. Who are some of those pastors and preachers, even if it's across the Atlantic, who has poured into Brandon Love and helped to shape him into the pastor and leader that he is today? So this is going to get me in some trouble because I'm, 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 I'm going to miss a couple yeah, of people. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> August, yeah, you know. But I'm, I'm going to name uh, two. Uh, there's many, many more. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's two that I have to uh, bring up. And that's uh, my first pastor, uh, Reverend Matthew Davis. Uh, he, I, I went back and looked at, uh, my, my mom kept everything everything like from school and I went back and looked at my it was something in the sixth grade and they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew when I uh, grew up uh, and I put I wanted to I wanted to preach wow I didn't remember that wow like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I would have never you know I didn't remember that yeah I said I want to be a preacher now he was my pastor and I can I can remember as a little boy you know going home and you know, whatever he preached that day, I would go home and I was trying to preach it. But I never wanted to be a preacher. Mm -hmm. But I, I watched him down through the years. I model, you know, he was a model. Good you know, brother. Yeah, you know, in the community. Brother, community man. pastor, preacher. 
you know, allow the Spirit of God to move. Yeah. Uh, he was far beyond in that area. You know, you go back to the 80s when he was preaching at, in a Baptist church. Yeah. And, uh, you know, having very unorthodox style, but absolutely. so effective. Yes, so effective. Yeah. So uh, I, I have to name him being someone who was uh, uh, present, influential uh, in, in in my life. And then I, I did owe him for me too. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, and then I have to say my 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 first pastor when I went overseas, uh, Pastor Victor Grubbs. Uh, he gave he. He sparked a fire in me to love the Word of God. Like mm. every day, he would call me and ask me, "What did you study today?" Wow! I didn't want to disappoint him. Wow! So every and when I woke up in the morning, at night, at lunch, I mean, we read books. Every week we were reading books. Mm -hmm. uh, every week we had to memorize two two scriptures. Wow! Yeah, so Saturday when we met, we had to quote it. You know, it was I mean, he. I mean, the Word. You know. Mm -hmm. I really just I fell in love with it if you ever fall in love with the word man it's just you don't, you don't, <laughs> you don't want to hear anything that's not the word right. like don't give me yeah. uh, a bunch of cliches and yep. stuff yep. with no substance I yep. need the word yep. no doubt about it Yeah. so I, I have to you know I said there's many many more and you know I can get into some of the celebrity oh, yeah. pastors and stuff like yeah. that but uh, just no name preachers that nobody probably even know. Yes. Those two really laid a foundation for me. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned those those persons, man. Um, because it's amazing how oftentimes you don't know who you're shaping. I feel like pastors are like teachers. Mm -hmm. Like you, you can be teaching someone in the third grade who may be the mayor who may be the president, who may be the congressman, the senator, your doctor, your pastor. Mm -hmm. You don't know where the Lord is taking this person, right. but for that moment, they're under your care, mm -hmm. and you have the opportunity to shape them, and you don't know how uh, much of an impact you're making on their lives. And that's how I feel pastors need to go about their work. You don't know where the Lord is taking these people right. who are sitting under you, either for a season or for their lifetime. You don't know what the Lord is going to do in and through them and how God is using your ministry to shape them. And I think that doing clergy appreciation month is always good to just pause and think about those pastors. And oftentimes it is the pastors that are in anonymity that have made the greatest impact on those who are on the stage. Right. And um, and so to the pastors that are out there listening to me, please, please take your job seriously. Help to shape and empower these people because you don't know where the Lord is taking them. They're with you for this season until the Lord may reassign them or send them into another place. But your impact can have a lasting, indelible mark upon their lives and um pastor love i know that you are doing that in those three churches where you are serving and in the community that your ministry is making an impact on people's lives and that you are shaping people to fulfill their purpose mm -hmm. in god so um i want to know man i appreciate you i appreciate your ministry brother i celebrate you and um 
I know that the Lord is going to do great things. I can't wait to read your books. I didn't know about the books until you brought them up um, during the conversation. But um, really looking forward to reading um, those books and sharing them with other people. So thank you all so much for listening. If you want to connect with Pastor Love, you can find him on Facebook. You can also find Greater Love Fellowship on Facebook. Both of them have a very strong social media presence. How about you go and check them out and see what the Lord is doing in that ministry at this time. Until next time, thank you all so much for listening. Bye-bye.